0: Thank you very much, and of course up front, I also want to recognize and thank the Reynolds for their extraordinary vision and year after year, pulling together incredible gatherings. Uh, I want to thank them also for the coveted second up after lunch speaking slot. I'm reminded of the the story of the little boy who in third grade, he had to give a report on Julius Caesar. And so he started out, he said, Julius Caesar was a, a great general. He fought some important battles. He made a long speech. They killed him. (laughs) I I will try to avoid Caesar's fate today. Um, What I want to address, three topics, really. Uh, The first is a few thoughts on strategic leadership, knowing that many in this room have already exercised that, but knowing that many others are poised uh, to exercise that. Talk briefly about how I've answered over the years the question about my leadership style, which I think has some universal lessons perhaps. And then if you're still with me, I'll give you my assessment of the president's strategy for combating the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant. I was truly privileged uh, to have 37 years in uniform, uh, especially uh, to have the six final assignments to all be commands, five in combat, Number of them, as Admiral McRaven mentioned, uh, with him and with his great ex- special operators, uh, to then lead the director, the uh, CIA, uh, and now to have the portfolio of activities uh, that enables me to enjoy Teddy Roosevelt's description of the greatest blessing, which is hard work worth doing. Uh, when I was in those commands. Uh, In a number of those, I was fortunate to be able to exercise strategic leadership, if you will, and I think that's different from other leadership. This, it can be the leadership of anything from a startup to an enterprise as large as the 165,000 American men and women and other coalition forces and civilians uh, in the surge in Iraq. But it's basically leadership that is different because you are charting the course, the path, the strategy for an organization uniquely. You are the person and it doesn't get much more than that in a situation such as Iraq or uh, later in Afghanistan, although the changes we made in Iraq with the start of the surge were vastly more significant than continuing the effort that Stan McChrystal and in fact Bill and some others, Uh, had going when I took over uh, in Afghanistan. There are four tasks, I think, of a strategic leader. The first is you have to get the big ideas right. This sounds trivial, but the truth is, big ideas don't hit you on the head like Newton's apple fully formed if you sit under the right tree. Rather, you get hit by the little kernel of an idea, a seed, and you have to slap it into existence. It's like building a figure with clay, and it has to be inclusive, I think. None of us is smarter than all of us together Uh, and you want as many contributing to it as possible for a host of reasons Uh, and then you have to continue to develop it and shape it. If you don't get the big ideas right, everything you do from there on is building on a flimsy foundation, sand really. And if you think back to Iraq, the big ideas there in most cases were a 180 degree reversal of what we were doing before. The surge, we recognize you have to secure the people, the, the, the prize is the people, the decisive terrain is the human terrain, and you must secure it. But you can only secure it by living with the people at a time when we were consolidating on big bases. We reversed that, 77 additional locations in Baghdad alone, each of which we had to fight for. We recognize that you cannot kill or capture your way out of an industrial strength insurgency. That's what we faced, by the way. This was a massive enemy. Al-Qaeda in Iraq and associate Sunni insurgents, and then also Shia militia extremists as well. You have to reconcile, you have to make as many of them become part of the uh, solution, instead of a continuing part of the problem. And we launched a huge effort in that regard. By the way, that also helped us identify even more clearly the irreconcilables, and Bill McRaven and his special operators uh, focused even more intently on them. We recognized we couldn't transition tasks to the Iraqi security forces because they couldn't handle the level of violence. So we actually, at a time when the idea was to do that more quickly so we could get out and go home, we stopped it. We stopped releasing detainees because it turned out we were running terrorist training camps. The extremists were running the detention facilities and we had to get the hardcore out before we could rehabilitate the others and then send them uh, back to their communities. These were huge ideas. And that was what we implemented. And again, you've got to get those right up front. By the way, those same big ideas are very applicable today uh, in Iraq, and they will have to be executed again, albeit without us having to do all of that, as I will explain in a moment. Now, if you can get the big ideas right, you then have to communicate them effectively throughout the breadth and depth of your organization. And that started the moment after I took the colors of the organization and the change of command and made first remarks and the emphasis was on securing the people. I put out a letter to all the soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and civilians of multinational force Iraq uh, that day, securing the people. I changed the mission statement without asking my higher headquarters, hey, we were in, (laughs) you know, I thought it was my last job in uniform and I acted that way. Uh, So, and change the campaign plan uh, and on and on and on. Uh, Every way that you could possibly communicate through the commanders, through staff, through the non-commissioned officer chain, uh, you use all of those. So if you get the big ideas right and you communicate them effectively, then the strategic leader has to oversee their implementation. And you have a whole battle rhythm for this. You have the morning meeting, you have the uh, the metrics that you are helping, helping you determine whether you're winning or losing, that's pretty important. Uh, you have all the way up to the quarterly campaign review that you do with the ambassador uh, and, and his staff and your uh, elements as well. And everything in between including, in our case, a minimum of twice weekly, going out to join units to see it for myself and to walk patrols with them and then talk to company commanders who are the closest to this and they will give you their unvarnished opinion. And by the way, creating a climate, as Bill mentioned earlier, in which you welcome people saying, excuse me, emperor, you don't have any clothes on today. You're intellectually scantily clad. That is an important component as well. And then the fourth task is you have to identify how the lessons or what the lessons are about what you're doing, how the big ideas need to be refined. A lesson is not learned when you identify it, It's learned when you actually refine the big ideas in the campaign plan, uh, in the standing operating procedures, the policies, the actions on the ground, and then you can continue this process. Again, I think this is applicable to anything. Uh, And by the way, you not only have to get the big ideas right up front, again, you have to keep refining them and in some cases reinventing an entire organization and we only have to look at uh, a firm like Kodak uh, or even America Online which had incredibly powerful big ideas in their day but failed to find a way to recast them, to refine them and in fact even in some cases to reinvent themselves. That's what we sought to do. We drove violence down by 90% and uh, the men and women that participated in that from the United States, from the coalition, uh, the Iraqi security forces uh, were really quite heroic in doing so. Now it's a privilege to lead them and, and the higher you go you're constantly being asked what is your leadership style? How would you describe that general director, whatever it may be? And I would answer by saying you know if you'll tell me the style of leadership that is required to get the most out of each of my direct reports and the organization collectively, I'll tell you what style of leadership I'm going to try (laughs) to exercise. The point there is that each one of us responds differently. I may need a pat on the back twice a day. Rick Atkinson doesn't need a pat on the back except once a year because he's doing all this research and that in itself, he's living with George Washington, now I, I might add, as opposed to the World War II generals and just keeps at it. Every one of us is different. Uh, We all, again, require a slightly differentiated leadership style to get the most out of us, to enable us to be all that we can be, to use the old army recruiting slogan. And I think it's an important insight to remember because what is successful as a young rompin' stompin' airborne ranger infantry platoon leader is very different from what you're doing when you have a coalition of 50 nations, the largest in history, Uh, in the case of the commander of the International Security Assistance Force uh, in Afghanistan.